unfortunately, the portal is going to have a really tough impact on the high school player in that 23 and 24 class. Welcome, everyone, to the Baseball Lifer podcast. My name is Walter Beatty, and each week I will be your host as we discuss all topics related to youth, high school, college, travel, and professional baseball. My goal each week is to educate and inform parents, student athletes, youth coaches from around the country, from around the globe, as we listen and discuss various topics with college coaches from around the country. Please be sure and join me each week as I share with you my conversations with college coaches, major league and minor league players and coaches to keep you updated on all things related to baseball. My guest today is Duke University head coach, Chris Pollard. We talk all things related to the current recruiting atmosphere and landscape within college baseball, as well as the development arm that college baseball has undertaken due to the reduction of rounds and players drafted in the annual MLB draft. Chris Pollard is one of the best young coaches in the game today, formerly a coach at Appalachian State, now at Duke University. Let's hear what Chris has to say as we discuss college baseball. This is Chris Pollard. Hey, Chris. This is Walter Beatty. Hey, Walter. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good, man. You know, do you foresee uh, like a major mega division power three super conference and then other mid-major schools kind of going into a one double A, for lack of a better term, type of situation? Do you see that happening at all? It's a, that's a great question. And, 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 and to answer it candidly, I could see it going one of two directions. Um I think if there is an unwillingness at the institution and conference level to separate sports based on which conference they compete in, then yes, I think inevitably we're probably headed towards super conferences in baseball, just like football. And let, let me, let me explain my, my answer a little bit further. My understanding is that part of what the transformation committee, which is essentially a deregulatory committee that's been tasked with, you know, more than anything, taking the NCAA out of certain liability and litigation risks. And there's going to be a, a sweeping set of proposals that will, you know, that will deregulate, uh, all all of college athletics things like the number of coaches that you can have on a on a coaching staff in sports the number of scholarships that can be offered by sport the other the other piece of this that's that's that i've been told that's being proposed with the transformation committee recommendations is that sport to sport within an institution you you may institutionally determine what level and what conference that sport would compete in. And so, you know, a school may decide to go, you know, division one in basketball, but they may decide to go uh, division one double a in football and may decide to go, 
Division Three in all their Olympic sports. And I'm using that just as a as a, as a total uh, example. I don't know anybody that would do it that way, but um, and so I think if if that's the case, if if you have that discretion to sort of you know make that decision sport by sport within an institution, then my guess is that the mega conferences are going to be limited to football and maybe basketball and then your uh, other sports your so-called olympic sports are going to stay in more geographically um, you know cost effective regional types of conferences and that's a long-winded answer but you know if if Alabama decides no whatever what whatever whatever conference football's in that's what the rest of our athletics department is staying in well then yes you can almost be guaranteed that baseball will go to a mega uh, conference format but if football can can compete in a in a mega conference but maybe everybody else can compete in a more geographic centric uh SEC then I think that's that, that. Then football would kind of break off and do its own thing. I mean, that's that's fantastic insight. And so a follow up to that would be, in light of the fact that Major League Baseball made all those changes with regard to numbers of rounds and number of players selected, and more importantly, the date of the draft. What type of impact that, that does that have with college baseball? And meaning. If we looked at last year's draft, approximately 650 athletes were drafted, and of that, 450 were four-year college students, so within the four-year college program. Do you think college baseball now more than ever has kind of taken over or replaced short-season teams of the, of the past? Has it become more of a developmental arm for professional baseball? That's a great question. And it, it and it seems like that's the vision of Major League Baseball. I'm not sure that there's the level of collaboration and communication that needs to be in place if college baseball is going to be viewed as a you know as a more de- developmental, to use your term, arm of Major League Baseball. And, and, and the reason I say that is because if Major League Baseball really was in tune with the needs of college baseball and cared about the, the, the success of the sport, they would be open to and, and actively working to move the draft back to a more logical date in June. Do you feel like the draft now kind of says to the high school student-athlete, you're better off going to college. I mean, it doesn't seem, you know, in years past, maybe four or 500 high school student athletes would get drafted. And now it seems like that number is greatly reduced. And it's almost like they're saying without verbally or writing in any kind of formal capacity, it's almost as if they're saying by going to college, you're going to develop and into a potential, if your potential develops, we'll come at, you know, we'll draft you or you'll have the ability to play professionally after playing in college. It looks like it's putting more emphasis on the college coaches to win, you know, you know, it's kind of like a catch 22 on one side, college coaches want to win. They're not really in the business of developing necessarily, especially in light of today's transfer portal, but it seems like it's 
a big pendulum has shifted over to the focus of the attention on the four-year college baseball player. Yeah, no, I, I think that I think that you made great points. You know, my my thought on that would be if if that's the goal, uh, one of two things would really help this process and eliminate and eliminate a lot of the uncertainty that that ultimately impacts the players and they get caught up in the uncertainty and, and the roster implications of the uncertainty. Uh, w- one would be move the, the draft earlier in the summer because that, that, that gives everybody a chance to kind of know where they stand. And number two, another idea that I've heard floated that I think may make some sense is that essentially much like in, in basketball, if a high school player wants to wants to be considered for the draft, that they would need to to declare for the draft, and and that would that that would then you know sort of put everybody in a in a position of of at least understanding everybody's intentions, and and I'm sure there there would be some some room in there for for them to to wiggle out of that much like there is in basketball if they decide if they if they test the waters and ultimately decide no I think my it's in my best interest to to go to college first uh but I think at some point there's got to be a okay you're declared I'm putting my name in the draft and I'm foregoing my spot in you know in this incoming class at, at at this university because as as we have it right now, you know, college programs don't know until early August what their what their roster is going to look like. And it, if you're going to if it's if we're going to continue to be an equivalency sport and not a counter sport, it, it makes it virtually impossible to to navigate the the equivalency piece. Yeah, I've heard from a few coaches on that August piece and. Um... You know, it kind of leaves a lot of people in limbo, uh, including families. Um, Absolutely. So Absolutely. Let, let's, another kind of follow-up question to that is, how do you as a coach send your athletes out? And I kind of ask this with the backdrop of the transfer portal and the upcoming potential changes that could be occurring with multiple lateral transfers over multiple times during the course of the year. How do you now send your players out to summer teams, has that been affected at all? In other words, it used to be viewed where you just send a whole bunch of people out, but I've spoken with a few coaches who I wouldn't say have become apprehensive, but they're kind of changing their mindset with regard to, you know, if I send my catcher out with a couple of pitchers and all of a sudden one of those guys decides to transfer and wants to grab another guy or there's, I won't say other coaches talking to other athletes from other programs, but is, is summer baseball becoming part of the portal process with regard to athletes trying to get athletes to follow them back to different college campuses? Or do you find that, you know, there's nothing, nothing changing with regard to your summer? No, I summer think ride? it absolutely. I think it, it, it I think with, uh, with the impact of NIL, I think absolutely summer baseball is becoming sort of a, you know, a, 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 an area that, that really is open to tampering uh, in in terms of, you know, guys sort of getting into summer baseball and, you know, almost testing the waters, so to speak. 
and I, I would be really uncomfortable. I mean, you know, we're, we're in a fortunate position because not too many kids are going to walk away from a Duke education. But if I were at a, you know, I coached at Appalachian State, Walter, for, for eight years before I took the job here at Duke. If I were back at Appalachian State in this current climate, I would be really uneasy about sending my guys out in the summer baseball. Yeah, I mean, because it's almost become, if we look at the case of the young guy, the Friday night starters from, like, say, Georgia Southern, pick any mid-major, and suddenly they shine and they look out and somebody's saying, come to ACC, SEC school and, you know, the licensing money and so forth. It almost is looked at these mid-majors now are going to struggle with trying to send guys out to, to college summer programs for that very, for that very topic. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You, I would be, do you, uh, yeah, go ahead. Does Duke offer, I know <clears throat> speaking for one SEC school, they're now offering the opportunity for insurance for loss of value, perceived loss of value. Does that ever come into your realm with regard to a student athlete saying like a Jonathan Santucci. I mean, I grew up with his whole family. I grew up with his dad. He comes out of high school um, and he potentially has a value based on whatever metric draft. Is that something that Duke offers to student athletes? Yeah. And I think more and more schools are going to, but there's a, there's an important distinction there, Walter, between loss of value insurance, which is really only available for about the top 10 picks in the draft, the top 10 overall picks, and then, and then disability insurance. And, and I think more and more schools are offering disability insurance, which is protection against an injury um, and, 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 and the impact that an injury might have on a player's draft status um, versus loss of value, which I think is, is still pretty rare in college baseball and maybe, you know, only, you know, really, really only affects maybe a dozen or so players. But I think now a lot of schools are, you know, uh, putting their, their players in a position where they're going to fund disability insurance for them to protect against injury. And we're, yeah, absolutely. We're doing that. So I guess my last question would be, and I think this is fantastic and I really appreciate you taking the time has your recruiting changed your recruiting process your recruiting philosophy in light of the portal uh you know where does the high school athlete come into play with regard to you know your recruiting process yeah no i think that everybody is going you know to, to probably trim down the number of high school commitments that they have in a given class so that they have room to see what might go, you know, what what options and what players might go into the portal in, in the spring, you know, so that you don't wind up with so many freshmen that you don't have roster space to go out and 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 recruit a, a player that might be a good fit for your program out of the portal. So I, I think it's unfortunately the portal is going to have a really tough impact, especially considering we've still got one more year of all these athletes with an extra year of eligibility because of COVID, it's going to really impact the high school player in that 23 and 24 class um, because schools are going to look at it and say, Hey, I don't, yeah, that, that, that mar a little more marginal player. 
I don't know if I should commit that guy versus waiting and seeing if there's a similar type of player that goes in the, into the portal with maybe two or three years of college experience under his belt. Do you, have you benefited at all from, like, the Ivy League guys that got the two extra years because of the no conference play? We have. Yeah, so, yeah, we have. Yeah, and and they're good players, you know. And they're, very good. And, and right. those, those kids are good fits for Duke because they're the right type of student. Well, Chris, I want to thank you. Uh, you know, I've, the two books that I've written so far, one's called The Process and one's called The Recruiting Process. And the whole reason for me doing these types of books is I find that the world of youth, the business of youth, travel baseball that starts at ridiculously young ages. If I told you that seven-year-old athletes and their parents are being told that the travel organization they play with matters as far as far as college recruiting goes, it's no longer <laughs> yeah, a fairy tale. I mean, it's actually happening, and it's happening in yeah. such large numbers. Um, and the realities don't fit you know, the narrative that the travel world, now, not all travel. I'm not painting the broad brush with, you know, one stroke. I'm just saying that there's a lot of people, you know, it's a $27 billion a year business model. um, And everybody's chasing these roster spots, you know, and I deal with families from all over the country and, you know, some of the things that are said to them, you know, it's just not true. Um, and as you know, I'm a big advocate of the college process. You know, I, I right. lived it at the right. high level. Uh, you know, I, in fact, I can tell you definitively that Stephen Santucci and I had lengthy conversations, you know, over, right. you know, you have somebody right. like KG just saying, hey, listen, here's the value of going to Duke or Vanderbilt or, you know, pick your school. But it goes over and above the sport. It, it's, you know, and that's what I'm trying to get parents uh, to understand the value of those years during that college experience over and above baseball far away, you know, uh, you know, a few hundred thousand dollars to go behind a chain link fence for what is now, if you're a high school kid, you're going to be there for at least two years. So um, that's really what my next book is, is going to be about is the shift. It's a big shift. There's a big, you know, and whether the super conferences come or not, you know, uh, it's going to have a whole different, uh, you know, the direction of youth baseball is going to change. Um, you know, and a lot of high school parents need to understand there's not enough room at the end for for everybody who's told they're going to be, you know, a college baseball player. Just regardless of the level of division, there's just not enough seats that are open for them to, you know, to be a college baseball player. So, um, but I appreciate your time, Chris, very, very much. And if I can ever help at all, I always am dealing with some, pretty high high level kg's got another kid uh that i sent there from westford academy but he's a 2023 who's, who's army that, Walter? Uh, his name's carson cormier um okay he's an elite academic his dad pitched in his dad was a four-year starter for neil mcphee at northeastern he then okay. pitched eight years in the oakland a's minor league system his son carson is six foot seven right-handed pitcher right now he's growing into his body so he's got long limbs um he gets a little deep in his backside but he'll flash a 91 and 92 got good secondary stuff but what happened to carson is is that his high school didn't play baseball for two years because of covid and so he didn't get any reps um and so he kind of without while he was growing he wasn't getting those reps 
to kind of smooth everything out. So I got him into a post-grad year with Kevin at Phillips Andover, uh, and he's there now. Um, right. I believe right. he's going to, you know, he's going to develop. He's going to be – he's got good pitchability now. He just needs to shorten his backside, get rid of his arm swing, but he's going to be – he's going to be a really good college pitcher. You know, he just uh, got caught up in that COVID swing. So that's why I got him the PG year at uh, with Kevin. So you might want to – That's great. If you ever have so any the, openings in the 23 class, you might just want to check in with KG. Absolutely. That's good to know, man. I appreciate the heads up. Uh, you're very, very welcome. And anything I can do at any time, Chris, please don't hesitate to reach out. I appreciate your time. Yeah, man. Stay in touch, Walter. Great to connect with you. Thank you, Chris. You got Thank you, sir.